Welcome to Let's Talk Sales, the podcast that's all things sales and business development. This podcast series is for CEOs that are looking to build strong companies, sales VPs and sales managers that want to take things to the next level, and salespeople that are looking to improve. This podcast is brought to you by the Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program. Are you looking to experience a breakthrough in your team's sales? Have you tried sales training in the past but were unable to make it stick? The Criteria for Success Sales Growth Program is a year-long engagement that combines sales and leadership training, a digital sales playbook called Calavia, and a coaching and accountability process that will change your sales culture and drive sustained growth. Learn more at criteriaforsuccess.com. Today's podcast is part of our Conversations with Coaches segment, and I am so excited to be talking to our guest today. This is Rebecca Toomey, and today I'm talking to Jacqueline Wales. And she is so hard to describe because she's so amazing. She is a transformational change facilitator. Said in another way, her title is Senior Client Manager of Corporate Accounts at DX Learning, which is a training and coaching organization focused on unlocking leadership potential. But I will let Jacqueline explain more about who she is with you. So Jacqueline, thank you for being here today. And my pleasure, Rebecca. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Very excited to talk to you today. So can you, let's just get started by sharing a little bit. It's funny, um, you know, you and I were talking about this idea about the difference between the terms coach, mentor, advisor, facilitator, and all of that kind of stuff. And then you and I were talking about how you're a transformational change facilitator. So can you share a little bit more about who you are, what you do, what that means? And we're going to talk about this stuff today. Terrific. Well, as you said, I'm Jacqueline Wales. I'm the founder of Innerfluence, which is a transformational leadership company. Uh, We use several types of tools in our work, assessments for behavior, where we measure behavior, experiential learning, and of course, the coaching, uh, executive coaching and uh, facilitation of other types of programs. And I personally believe if you believe that all individuals and organizations are capable of exponential change that drives greater performance and growth in individuals, and teams who want to excel in the workplace, then we have the experience and knowledge to make that happen. I'm putting it simply, I help good people be better so we can create a happier workplace because I truly believe that everyone desires to be better than they are. And so I help facilitate that. And sometimes it takes place uh, in workshops and trainings, and other times it works with working with individuals. Uh, But mostly it's about holding up mirrors and helping people to understand and become more self-aware so that they can start to make some serious changes in their lives that truly drive greater success and happiness in life in general. Amazing. Oh, that that's wonderful. And what you do is so important. I mean, all of us need to grow and develop and change. All of us have so much capability within us and we often hold ourselves back. So it's incredible that what you do is helping others unlock that within themselves. That's amazing. I, I actually like you had mentioned to me that someone invited you to to take on the title Architect of Hope. And I, I thought that that was so beautiful, such a wonderful thing that that you're able to do and help people through is to see how they how, where they could be and just to help them to get there. So that's amazing. And kudos for you for what you do. 
Thank you. Well, I think, you know, we all want to design the life that we want. Uh, sometimes we don't know what is the life that we want. So you need outside help mm-hmm. to be able to structure that uh, a little bit more clearly. And I love the title of, of Architect of Hope, uh, because isn't that what we all live for? You know, we all hope that we can be better. We all hope that we're going to be healthy. We all hope that we're going to have the kind of success that gives us this, the quality of life that we're looking for. But, of course, hope is not enough. Mm-hmm. It's about taking action, and yes. it's about having a strategic plan. And, you know, speaking to your idea of a sales playbook, for instance, it's a strategic plan for you to reach your goals. And yes. uh, that's really what I try to do in with working with my clients, is help them have a very strategic idea of what that looks like. And, you know, in coaching, you have three basic questions. Where are you now? Where do you want to go? And what is it that's getting in the way? Mm -hmm. And it's that middle piece that we spend a lot of time on. Mm -hmm. Um, Although a lot of people don't know where they want to go. So that's another piece that needs to to be (laughs) designed as we go forward, if you like. Definitely. And now I, I think that I'd like to kind of start our conversation by focusing on the problem first. And that's the biggest the biggest block and roadblock that all of us encounter within ourselves as individuals as professionals within organizations and that's the idea of change change is Mm -hmm. hard right so why is it so hard for people to change well we we get stuck in our belief systems you know we get stuck in in habits of belief that have uh served us you know either well or not well uh for a great many years and so the idea of change for a lot of people is it's hard work and um i'd rather kind of stick with what i know rather than what i don't know mm-hmm. and so it, it really for a big piece of change is about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people don't want to be living. Mm-hmm. So they go along and they go along with their dysfunctions, their negative behaviors mm-hmm. uh, that are not really serving them. And they wonder why they're not making any progress. Well, you know, again, the change piece is you've got to show up and do the work. And that work means you've got to dig down deep and you've got to look at your motivation. You've got to look into your belief systems. You've got to be willing to change it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll give you an example of that. I'm working with some clients right now who are aware that they have very strong perfectionistic uh, tendencies. You know, they, uh, they did my behavioral assessments uh, that I work with, uh, Human Synergistics is the name of the company, mm-hmm. where we measure behavior. And they came out highly perfectionistic. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? It means that somebody's got very high standards. They see flaws in other people all the time. Uh, they're always nitpicking at stuff. Now, what happens with that is it creates a tremendous amount of stress. Mm-hmm. So you really have to let go of a lot of stuff. Now, the letting go is the change piece right there. Mm-hmm. And that can be really scary because then you're vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And that's the other side of things that people are not comfortable with. I don't know how to be vulnerable because if i'm vulnerable i'm showing weakness Mm -hmm. and if someone sees my weakness they'll take advantage of it Mm -hmm. but what they don't realize is that weakness and and vulnerability is an enormous strength and i can tell you in my personal life i had to confront that because part of being a perfectionist also is you're a bit of a control freak and part of being in control and at root of all of this is the fear of not being good enough And that is a huge problem 
that surfaces again and again when it comes to change. I might find out that I'm really not good enough, mm. yes. which is, is BS. It's not true. Yes. It, it, you know, it's all head trash. Definitely not true. Yeah. It's totally. head trash. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to throw out a couple of things. First of all, that was, thank you so much. That's such great advice and such amazing insights. Um, but I want to throw a couple of things in here. And first of all, the head trash piece, I'm going to throw an ebook in the show notes for our audience. Um, and for our audience, our show notes, you can find them at criteria for success.com slash pod 87 for those show notes. And there's a couple of, of resources I want to share. We have one on head trash that I'd like to share. So one on change management I'll throw in there. And there are actually two pieces on change. There's an ebook that's about seven ways change is an opportunity. And we have a webinar on that as well. So I'm going to throw all that good stuff in there. And then the last, you mentioned behavioral assessments. And Jacqueline, I don't know if, uh, if you know, we have ever talked about how important and how much we love behavioral assessments here at CFS and that it's actually part of our process that we do with every single client is going through behavior and understanding ourselves first in order to understand others because we think that's so important. Um, so I'll throw actually, mm -hmm. there's a webinar that Elizabeth and I did together a couple of months ago that was just great. So I'm going to throw that in there. Um, Elizabeth is awesome. She is a behavioral assessment guru and she really went through how to understand yourself, how to understand other people, and then how to understand how that functions in a selling context. So when you're selling to someone, how to be aware of other people and their personalities. So just a couple of side well, notes. <laughs> well, I think these, these are great uh, resources and tools that you're offering there. And uh, I urge everyone who's listening to this to make the effort to go check them out because it's a really great start. Uh, my behavioral assessments are really scientific in terms of measuring exactly what kind of behaviors are, are prevalent in the individual. But they're also, it's a 360, so they're getting feedback from others. And then when you compare the two maps, which is how we, we um, set it up, it's really interesting to see how you think about yourself and how other people think about you. Frequently, it's two different things. Yes. And, yes. Uh, it's a, ter it's a terrific measure right there. So you can start to focus in on areas that you need to shift the needle on. So wonderful that you've got all that in place. Terrific. Well, happy to share it with our audience. We That's what we're here for, right? It's all about adding value and we want to help our audience to be the best that they can be. And I know that, that so far your, your knowledge has helped me. So I'm sure that it's helping others as well. So let's keep it going. I've got another question for you. I would like to know, um, mm -hmm. what are the most common challenges that you encounter in your work? Um, I think the most common challenge, if we're talking about, well, there's, there's two things here. Are we talking about the challenges that I have in acquiring work? Or are we talking about challenges with clients? With, which area would you like me to focus on? You know, I, I'm going to give you the option. Go either way. Okay. Go either way. Okay. Well, see where we I can see, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we can both go both ways on that. As an individual uh, consultant, someone who, you know, basically I work on my own here. The challenge always is in, in terms of sales and so forth is in having the conversations necessary 
to move the needle forward, to get people's engagement in whatever it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it comes, of course, as repeat business for me. You know, you start with one company and they want more of whatever it is that you have to offer. But I think for a lot of individuals out there who are driving their own business, this is always the big question where do i get my clients from mm-hmm. and i talk about networking a lot you know and it's about you know you do have to network you've got to be out there and uh having the conversations but make sure the conversations are very firmly about asking questions being curious getting to know the people you're talking to and not making it all about yourself now if i switch to the other side and i talk about the, the kind of clients who come my way the work that comes my way um, a lot of the work that i have to deal with is actually around the issue of confidence and communication mm-hmm. and self-awareness i would say self-awareness is is a big one because isn't that why you hire a coach yes isn't that why you want to get involved in all this learning I want to learn more about me because we do drive our lives with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, you know, we, we want the tools and understanding for that. So the confidence and communication issues are huge. I've worked with a lot of women over the last 14 years and uh, the confidence issues come up very, very strongly. Mm-hmm. But in a business situation, when I'm working with clients, a lot of it is how do we have conversations with our teams? How do we have the conversations that actually matter? How do we have more transparency? And again, back to that vulnerability issue, how can I reveal to my team that I don't know and don't have all the answers? That's a big piece for leaders right there. And helping them to develop the skills and the insights necessary to have those conversations. And I will frequently give them a script on how to do that you know, and how you can engage with the individuals that you want to engage with. Because frequently there's too much telling in an organization Mm -hmm. and not enough asking. Mm -hmm. We don't ask enough questions Mm -hmm. in our communications. Mm -hmm. And we also don't frequently, and this is particular to women, ask for what they want. Mm -hmm. So I teach my clients how to ask for what they want, Mm -hmm. but not in a, you know, I want this, blah, blah, blah. It's really about a two-way conversation. How do you develop those two-way conversations mm-hmm. so that other people are in the game? And again, we're always going to come back to questions. It's going to be about asking good questions so people are in the dialogue. Definitely. Um, and then for those who need to give feedback, that's another big issue for me right now, is how do you give people feedback? Mm-hmm. How do you address the issues? It's not about negativity either. Mm-hmm. It's about positive. You're always going to be steering people towards positive. Mm-hmm. So these are the two areas that, that, you know, based on your question that I would want to address. Okay. So then how do you facilitate transformational change? Um, well, there's a lot of ways. Um, I'll give you an example. I was in a boardroom last week with a lot of the executive team. This is in a company where they're really struggling to communicate. They've got some serious issues uh, around the silos and and how do you break things down Uh, my style tends to be extremely direct uh you probably figured that out about me already uh where you know if i see frankly bullshit i'll call it and uh you know i after doing several behavioral assessments on their leadership team i was in the room with them and i said frankly if you guys don't make the commitment and start communicating more clearly you might as well all pack your bags and go home now because this company's going down the toilet. Mm-hmm. And they all kind of looked at me and then it entered into a three hour 
very vulnerable, very transparent conversations that I help facilitate. Mm-hmm. Now, my individual clients, how I facilitate with them is either I'll sit down with the team members and we have a process for opening up a conversation, getting people to be present, getting people to really be in the room and open up again, the same way I just did with the, the, the executive team, have them have transparent conversations because it's a safe environment. And I, I, I'm able to do that. I mean, that's just one of my, my skills. It doesn't work for everybody. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so doing that within the, the group situation, but also with the individuals, I challenge them mm-hmm. in their thinking. Okay. I challenge them to have a look at it and, and see if it's true or not. Yes. Um, a lot of what we do is fear-based. And you probably know, Rebecca, I wrote a book called The Fearless Factor. And I wrote it primarily for women because I wanted to help women understand how to move beyond fear. Mm-hmm. A lot of it was based on my own experience. And uh, when we look at a great deal of what's going on in organizations and in individuals, it's fear-based. Mm-hmm. Very simple. Mm-hmm. But the thing about fear is we have to look at it and say, is it true or not? Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's the stuff we make up in order to quell the discomfort we're feeling. And back to that question at the beginning of our, our conversation about change. I'm uncomfortable, but I'll just kind of live with my discomfort because I might find out that what I think to be true is true. Mm-hmm. And of course, what you find out is stuff you made up. Definitely, I could use a stronger. I could use a stronger phrase than that, but I won't on this call. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just you know, might as well say it. It's shit you make up. That's yes. all it is. You Definitely, know? It, it's um, it's so and, interesting what you're saying. It, you are, it reminds me a lot of what Louise Hay talks about in the book called "You Can Heal Your Life." And she talks a mm-hmm. lot about mental patterns and how everything that we are comes first from our minds and the things that we think about ourselves become true. And so if we think, oh, I'm that's not going to go well or that person isn't going to respond positively to me stepping up to this challenge or whatever the scenario might be. It's really just our own minds. We're, we're holding ourselves back in a sense. So I mm-hmm. love that you really went into this and I'm going to have to check out your book. I have not read it. <laughs> right. Yes. And I like that you're focusing too on, on women in business because let's face it, it ain't easy for us. It's not e- as uh, cut and dry. Things are are very different in many ways. And it's not something that we have actually spoken about too much on the podcast. And so I'm happy to that we're able to have this conversation. And even if it just is bringing awareness out there, uh, I think it's a good thing for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we need more women in leadership. We need more women in boardrooms, uh, because they already know the studies are very clear that women owned businesses actually do better than their male counterparts a great deal of the time. And, uh, you know, women are far more committed and loyal and so forth uh, in many instances than than men are. But generally when there's a woman on the board or when there's women in leadership, uh, things go better. And You know, uh, I I read something crazy that goes along with, I'm so sorry I cut you off. (laughs) I've read something crazy about what you're saying. Just last night uh, I read an article on Forbes that there are more Fortune 500 CEOs named John than there are female CEOs. 
There are only That's 24 right. CEOs in the Fortune 500 in 2018. Yeah. And more of them are named John than are women. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, yeah. And, you know, the Indra Nui of uh, PepsiCo, she's just stepping down. And, of course, they're replacing her with a man. So one more female who was at the top of the chain has gone. Mm-hmm. So the numbers are even more reduced than they are. And a lot of it is a lot, women particularly, um, they find it hard to step into that particular role. It's okay. not that they don't want to, they have a lot of doubts. So for instance, w- you probably know this, but when you've got a job requirement and a woman looks at it and she'll go down the list of all the things that she needs to have, and there's one or two things that she may not have, and automatically she will eliminate herself from the possibility of that job. Now, a guy will look at that list and go, yeah, don't have this, don't have that, don't have the next thing, but well, I'll learn, I'll go in anyway. Mm -hmm. And this happens time and time again. Mm -hmm. So women are limiting themselves from actually stepping into that place. Again, vulnerability, because we know it's almost like, you know, we're held to higher standards. You know, we've got to prove ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also work in the field of diversity and inclusion, and you see a lot of that in terms of, you know, people of color in the organization. They always feel like, I've got to prove myself. I've got to work that much harder than, than the other white male counterparts around me. Uh, and I think that's very true for women, too. I had one woman that I was in a workshop with um, that I was teaching, and She told me that for two years she had kept it secret that she had two children from her peers. Wow. Uh, And I thought, what a toxic environment that is that you can't reveal your family life Mm -hmm. because you're going to be seen as as someone who's not quite adequate for the Mm -hmm. job. Mm -hmm. And you know yourself, you've had conversations. I certainly have had lots and lots of them over the years. And my female clients do have to really push hard, and I have to help them step up and be more courageous and, and really take that power that, and the authority that they definitely deserve without excuses. I hope that those of you that are listening in today are feeling empowered by this, because I know I am. <laughs> You're so right. It's all about just taking that, you know, just taking that knowledge into yourself and and knowing that you are enough on your own and to feel mm-hmm. empowered that you can go into a situation. And now I know I was very fortunate to grow up in an environment where I wasn't limited by being, uh, you know, a woman or being a certain type of person. I wasn't bucketed into anything. My parents were very, you can do whatever you want to do type of thing. And it's kind of interesting because I ended up going down a path that was a much, in a much more male-dominated field, which is field is, which is sales. And being in sales, it, there aren't a lot of women in sales and business. And it is a different world and it is more competitive. Um, I think it did help that my father was a salesman himself. And, you know, I kind of followed in his footsteps a little bit and had a mentor in that respect. But it just makes me respect him and the profession so much more that, you know, he welcomed me into it. It was never an issue. It was never something that uh, when I was c- 
coming into it, I never felt like I was different or lesser than, um, but it's something that other people have felt and I've felt the pain from them. And it, so it's, you know, it's just a good conversation for us to have. And uh, just to throw out something a little personal, I, um, some of you listening to the podcast may already know this, but I've been really into motorcycles. My, since I was about 17, I got my license and got into that. And I decided to start riding on the racetrack and talk about a male dominated sport. Uh, there are typically only mm. a couple of women, you know, you'd have a hundred, hundred men and two or three women. And when I decided to start racing the year that I raced the first year, there were 250 men signed up for the event and there were five women. So just to show mm. you the, the differentiator in, you know, kind of what we were doing, but it never, I never, ever let that head trash get to me. It was definitely annoying at times because men treat you differently. They treat you like a joke. Oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. She doesn't, you know, I, whatever. She's just going to be terrible and all this kind of stuff. And you do have to prove yourself a little bit, which is kind of sad, but you can't let it get to your head. You have to just go forward. This was something that I loved doing and I didn't want anything else to define that. Um, and so I hope that that's encouraging to some of you out there that if you feel if you feel put out in any way, you know, just keep pushing forward. You can do anything that you want to do. You want to race motorcycles and there's no women, who cares? Do it anyway. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm with you on that. And you are an inspiration because again, that piece of, you know, not letting other people into your headspace um, by by diminishing you. And too many times we are involved with what other people think. Yes. And, and there's yes. a big approval issue, you know. Mm -hmm. And so when we get into those approval issues of, you know, tell me I'm okay and checking in regularly to see if I'm okay, uh, then you're diminishing your power. And mm -hmm. I hear you say you've never done that. I think you know a little bit about me as I have a martial arts background and I took it up in my 40s and had my first black belt when I was in my 49th birthday, in fact. Um, and again, there's women in martial arts, but it's, it's primarily male-dominated. There's no question uh, because people see it as a very aggressive sport, but it's actually the, the opposite of that. It's about complete control of your body and your mind. Uh, mm -hmm. as it turns out, mm -hmm. and allowing that to, to you know, stay focused. And, mm -hmm. and that's a big piece for it. But uh, I would imagine riding bikes is the same way. You've got to be really focused you on do. what you're doing. It's, it's more mental than it is physical. And that's what a lot of people don't realize about it. They think that it's phys more physical than mental, but it's all fear-based. Completely. You talked about fear yeah. and people being afraid. Riding a motorcycle on the racetrack is 100% mental all right 95 percent mm -hmm. mental <laughs> five percent physical yeah. i could argue because you yeah, have yeah. to get over the fear of many things going fast for one uh falling down breaking your bike breaking your back breaking <laughs> breaking your face yeah i'm joking yeah. about breaking your face hopefully you don't but you know i've had a lot of accidents i've crashed a lot and that's part of it and then you have to get over the fear coming back after a crash that oh i, I know that fear of Am I going to be okay? You have to get over the head trash of what people say about what you do too. Oh my gosh, that's what you do. You need to quit. Well, that's dangerous. <laughs> then this is this raises a really important point about what we've been talking about through this call, mm -hmm. which is the greatest fear that many people come up with, and I see this over and over and over again: is the fear of failure. Mm, yeah, and this fear of failure is a mental game. 
Mm-hmm. Because again, it speaks to, you know, failure. What is failure? Failure is something that didn't work out. A failure is a choice that was made that wasn't the right choice or an expectation that we had that didn't come through to fulfillment. Rarely is failure something that's life-threatening. Now, riding a motorbike, if you're not clear about what's going on, yes, it could be life-threatening, no question about it. Um, but I see this in the mental mindset of a lot of people. The fear of failure stops them from taking opportunity. The fear of failure keeps them in that place of having to dot the I's and and cross the T's and have everything lined up before I'm willing to take the next risk. And in sales particularly, you get a lot of rejection. And if you make it personal, well, you're screwed, frankly, (laughs) because you're not going to get anywhere. So the idea of cold calling, which frankly, I hate cold calling, I, you know, I see no, no point to it uh, at, at this point at the stage of my career. Um, but, you know, the idea of reaching out and getting refused, rejected, um, becomes a personal thing. And so people don't do it. So the worst salespeople, of course, are the ones who go, well, I'll just wait for it to come to me, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the really great ones who go, I'm in a conversation and no is just the starting point. You know, you bring up such a great point about cold calling and this whole this whole concept. It's almost that you have to become so comfortable with the rejection that you don't even blink when it when it happens mm. to you. You know what I mean? Because you're talking about you can't take it personally, which is so true. And I remember when I first started cold calling, I was cold calling, real cold calling, in person, visiting people, walking into people's place of business and trying to formulate a conversation and you're totally throwing someone off by doing that right because they're in the middle of whatever they're doing you have to first get them engaged and into a conversation and it's not an easy thing and when you first start doing it it's hard but the more rejecting more rejections you get the better at it you actually get because it you know you Mm -hmm. learn in that process how to just accept it and understand that you know the world doesn't revolve around us as much as we want it to (laughs) <laughs> everyone mm. has their own universe that they are that they're in and it's about figuring out how can i add value to this person's life not be a nuisance not be a pain in the neck and mm. build a relationship in the process by doing that so that's why we like to go mm. back to solving problems making sure that you you're talking to the right person that you understand the issues that they're having or that you're able to uncover them by asking questions. So, yeah, right. it's, it's right. all, this is all important stuff. And, I'm glad you brought this and up. And what we're talking about here is emotional intelligence. You know, it's that self-awareness versus social awareness stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so Definitely. when you are, um, you know, having conversations with, with, with someone else, it's about empathy. You know, yes. and how, how do you build those shared stories that will, you know, make a difference mm-hmm. right there? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's a whole other conversation we can go into. So Definitely. I won't say any more on that. Well, I actually want to ask you a quick question about books because we love to share great book recommendations. We're all about learning and development. So I know for me personally, uh, book reading a great book is uh, the way, the ticket to the next place and that growth path, right? So do you have any great business books, business growth or sales books that you love? Well, there's there's a lot. I read, I'm an avid reader. I'm always reading something or other. Um, Good. <laughs> the one that I'm reading right now is called The Everyone Culture. 
Okay. And um, it's about a deliberately developmental uh, organization. He calls them DDOs, written by two Harvard business professors, uh, psychology professors, two Robert Keegan and Lisa Leahy. And if you're interested at all in the development of organizations, which I'm very much involved with, um, this is a wonderful book that explains what it looks like to have a deliberately developmental organization. And the truth of the matter is, it ain't easy. (laughs) It is very, very difficult to pull that one off. And one of the companies that they use as an example is Bridgewater. Uh Now, if anyone has heard of Bridgewater, big investment company up in Connecticut, uh, their uh, founder was Ray Dalio. And Ray Dalio has put out a book called Principles, where he talks about the types of principles that are active in uh, his organization. And these are principles that he believes most organizing uh, organizations should pay attention to. So the Everybody Culture uses their company as an example of a deliberate developmental culture. And what's involved in a great deal of that is absolute truth and radical transparency. Now, how many organizations do we know? How many individuals do you know who embrace radical truth and transparency? Mm-hmm. Very few. Yes. Very, very few. Yes. But it, you can't have a great organization with both great people and great culture unless you have that in play. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really important that you have these very open conversations. And this is something that I'm trying to facilitate with the organization that I'm working with currently, is to help them develop this openness and this ability to really share things that are hard to share and uh, make sure that you're engaging the entire organization in it. So you break down the siloed approach and you break down that top-down hierarchical approach and you get everybody in the conversation. Easier to do with a smaller organization than a large organization because large organizations have their roots so deeply embedded in their bullshit that they can't see their way through it. I mean, that's that's the truth of the matter. Really I don't care what large organization you're talking about, that's the story that's behind it. So in a small to medium company, you have a better chance allowing this to actually surface. And, uh, you know, I think this is a big piece for the future of work going forward. I've been I've doing a lot of listening to uh, different speakers lately about the future of work. And uh, this is this deliberate developmental organization is that we know it's about the people. Mm-hmm. It's not about your processes and your systems and your strategies. It's first and foremost about people. And as we go forward into the future and we have more AI involved in running our organizations, more and more the emphasis is going to be on how good are your people and how are you supporting your people. And if you're not putting the time and attention into that piece, you will lose, mm-hmm. very simply. Definitely. And, and Yes. Go on, go on. No, I think that that's really about all I can say. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line on <laughs> okay. it. And I can, you know, well, we you can talk you. for hours, but we don't have hours. <laughs> I know, right? I wish we did. You, this has been so great so far. And I, I have just been absorbing your 
energy and all of your wisdom. So I'm loving this. And of Thank course, you. we always talk, of course, a lot about sales playbooks at CFS. And you were just talking about people and really nurturing your people. So I think let's, I'd like to go in the context of how can organizations use their sales playbook to focus on people and further develop people? Um, I don't know if you might have an idea to throw out there. Uh, I'll throw one out there to start, which is that you had mentioned that it is about the people. So creating an environment within your digital sales playbook where people can come together is so important. And I know Elizabeth has given some great tips on the podcast before. So I'll recycle one of hers, which is she loves when she sees teams using a form, the form feature, which is where an organization has a digital sales playbook and they have a forum within that playbook where they can start discussions about things. And we have one client who their forum is such an amazing place for the organization to collaborate, for people to collaborate on things. And they have a thread that's been going for years that's more on the personal side of things. It's kind of what's your guilty pleasure? And someone had jokingly put boy bands or they were serious about it, but that they love boy bands or something like that. And it just kept the camarade got some camaraderie going it got people involved and engaged and it was just one of that one post created such a uh, culturally healthy environment for them so Jacqueline I don't know do you have any other ideas for teams well that they can do in their playbook yeah I mean we we talk about in the work that I do um with human synergistics and the behavioral studies, we talk about the constructive uh, cultures. Mm-hmm. And constructive cultures are, are basically falling into four categories, four different styles. We call it self-actualizing, affiliative, humanistic encouraging, and achievement. And when we look at the humanistic encouraging, this is about encouraging and supporting people. This is about helping them to be better at who they are and what they do. So the forum that you just mentioned is a fabulous piece right there because, again, the transparency. If we're not all tuned in to what's going on here mm-hmm. and we're all just working away in our own little bubbles here, mm-hmm. then clearly we're not helping each other. So I think we are, to my point about working in the future too, we're moving not just to a more uh, collaborative piece, but to a more cooperative piece. Mm-hmm. And so we know that, you know, hitting your sales target is, is a big piece, you know, and I've got my, my numbers and I've got to work for it. And I'm all alone on this. Well, you're going to find more and more that you're all working together in whatever way, whether it's through the digital medium and the resources that are available to that, or just simply having more time connecting to each other is a big piece of that and i think that you know learning how to inspire and motivate other people uh is really an important piece of of that and again to the self-actualizing piece about you know knowing who you are that's a self-awareness piece that is really really important um and so you know making yourself available to others that is a really big piece and how do you make yourself available to others when you're so spread out because you might have sales people in different territories well have zoom conferences you know have meetings where you can actually all see each other and start to have these transparent 
radically honest conversations about strengths and weaknesses and be willing to put it out there about what you need and what you want help with. Mm. That's a big piece right there in developing your sales playbook because we're not i mean the bottom line is we all think we're pretty smart but the truth of the matter is we're a lot dumber than we think because <laughs> you know you just you, you just can't have all the information to yourself but can't know it all you know so a lot of us you can't know it all and there's a lot of people who go around thinking they do know it all well let me show you otherwise that's kind of how it rolls (laughs) that's right and now i'd love to roll into my last question here which is all about wisdom because you are very wise and you have learned so many things and i am just trying to absorb and suck as much of your knowledge out right now can you feel it do you feel me extracting things out of your brain Mm, i do i do (laughs) i get the vibe there rebecca (laughs) all right so what's your one piece of wisdom that you would like to leave the audience with today if you could just say one thing to them what would it be if I, yeah, if I said one thing to them, it would be this. You know, we all have low points in our career, and God knows I've had mine. And we can lose faith. We can start to wonder if we really have what it takes. And uh, it's going to sound very cliched, but holding on to that faith is really, really important. But while doing that, always be learning. This is a big piece right there. Always be learning. So if you find yourself, you know, you're a consultant or a coach or whatever the case may be, uh, and you're not getting the work that you need, whilst you're working on getting the work, also work on learning. Never assume that you know everything there is to know about your particular role, because as I just said, we're all dumber than we think. That's right. And uh, that piece about, you know, if it's not all working in your favor, you're not a failure, you're just simply in a phase of transition of some kind or another. Okay. And uh, I went through two years of that, and it was not fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, being on the other side of it, you, I know I learned a great deal during that process. Awesome. So to summarize, everyone has something to teach, and everyone has something to learn. Always. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Thank you, Jacqueline, so much for being on the show today. This has been wonderful. It's truly been my pleasure, Rebecca. Thank you for the opportunity to share whatever I have to share. I always appreciate that. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. And thank you so much to our audience for listening to today's show. You can find the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 87. Be sure to jump there because you will find those resources that I mentioned, the eBooks, as well as the books that Jacqueline mentioned during the episode today. So be sure to jump to criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 87. And tune in next week. We will be continuing the conversation about sales management with an interview about Charles's newest ebook on the topic. And of course, don't forget to tune in on Friday. It's actually an inspirational quote from John Maxwell, one of my favorites. So you won't want to miss that. And all month we are writing about sales management on the CFS blog. So check that out, criteriaforsuccess.com slash blog. Are you loving Let's Talk Sales? Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your ratings and reviews help us so much. And we really, really appreciate it, guys. Thank you so much for all of your support so far. We are having a blast with the podcast. And I hope that it has added value to your life. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by myself here, Rebecca Toomey, Ariana Miskell, and Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling, everyone.